Hey everyone, welcome. Thanks for joining us and uh, lifting your voice with us to sing to the Lord. Happy Independence Day weekend. Stand up, we're going to sing to the Lord and sing of His worth, sing of His might. So come on, lift your voice. Over the mountains and the seas, your river runs in love for me. And I will open up my heart, let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth, and I will daily lift my hands, for I will always sing. When your love came down, I can sing of your love forever. I can sing of your love forever. I can sing of your love forever. I can sing of your love A shout of praise to the Lord. Sing our praise. Our praise awake to the dawn. Our souls awake to you and lift us up. 
faithfulness, God, that we can worship and praise your name from wherever we're at, Father, and we thank you for this weekend where we can celebrate living in, in the greatest country in the world, God. We, we love you, and we thank you, and we pray that um, what's next for us, that you'd redeem us, that you would, that you would have a perfect plan for something that's store for us that we, we don't know yet, God, but we know you do. We love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and it's because of him that we can sing, because of him that we can have hope in the future. We love you. Amen.
Well, happy 4th of July weekend, people. Happy Independence Weekend. Can we thank God for the country that we live in, this beautiful America? Yep. I just want to say welcome. Glad you guys are here. Glad you guys are joining us online. Um, man, what a beautiful day. And isn't it great? I love the sunshine poking its way through the windows. It's phenomenal. Guys, I, I just want to share with you some of the things that are coming up, some of the things that are happening. Um, so due to the, the most recent uh, orders from our, our governor, I just want to let you know that we're, uh, we're going to postpone VBS to a later date. Um, we just feel like it's the best interest of everybody and just to help serve our families and our community. So we're going to have details to come about when we're going to plan that and when we're going to reschedule that. But just want to let you know uh, the VBS is postponed. But we are still keeping the July 17th drive-in uh, movie, and that's going to be starting at 8.30 on July 17th, and it's going to be the movie Abominable. <laughs> and uh, so it's a great movie. It's a great family movie. It's really funny, too. Um, but also what you can do is just go to our website and just register your car. So you can you can come. We've had people that, like, ordered pizza, had it delivered here, and they just made a whole night of it. It was, it was a really la- awesome time last time. So that's going to be July 17th. Uh, it's going to start at 830 up here in the parking lot. Um, on Wednesdays, uh, we're having our online prayer gathering. So that's every, every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. We're having our online prayer gathering on our website, on Facebook Live, as well as YouTube. So please join us as we continue to just go before the Lord in prayer. It's been such a sweet time, and uh, I just look forward to interacting with everybody. And then don't forget car cruise every Tuesday from 5 to 9 in the parking lot, classic cars. Bring them on up. It's a, it's a great time just to connect and, and to be able to see some really, really, really nice-looking cars. So that's every Tuesday, weather permitting. But, uh, guys, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for giving. You can give online. You can give through the mail, or you can give uh, right in the box in the back or in the lobby. But, guys, thank you for giving for your faithfulness. Let's continue to just worship the Lord as we continue on this morning. God, we love you, and I'm just humbled to know that uh, you give us your word. Um, and it it's, doesn't give us... God, every every single day, every minute to just say, okay, I do this now, I, I, I eat this you know, piece of food, or I drink this orange juice, God, but you do give us clarity as to, as to where we should go, God, and so we know that we should go to you, and so, Lord, just still our hearts in this time, uh, God, that we would recognize that you are God and that we are not, and so, Lord, we also know that uh, you call us to be still and know that you are God, and so, God, we just worship you, we exalt you, and just like we talked about just, just not too long ago, God, you're calling us to prayer. You're calling us to deeper dependence and to lean more into who you are, to lean more into you. So, Lord, as we continue on in song, I pray that we would just worship you in the stillness of our heart with our voices. And, God, to just lift you up and to praise you through this storm that we're in. God, we love you. We exalt you, Jesus, in this place. In the powerful name of Christ, amen. How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven Spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness tore through the shadow 
salvation in your 
Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Let's thank our great God. We're so glad that you're here today. Thank you for those of you that are joining online this morning. It's, it's a great Fourth of July weekend. I know many people are traveling. Some of you are watching from the boat in Deep Creek right now. So thank you for taking me to Deep Creek. But uh, I want to just welcome everyone today. I know it's an interesting time in our world right now, and especially in our state. And I just want to thank you for, uh, for your faithfulness to God, your faithfulness in your giving, your faithfulness in serving. And we're going to keep doing what we can do in, uh, throughout all this turbulent time. But I want you to know there still is no greater place on earth than the United States of America. Amen? Thank God. Let's thank God for this land in which we live. Look at Sandy, man. Sandy Walshack got her, her whatever, man. She's red, white, and blue. Sandy, stand up so everybody can see that. I mean, you, you got to, all right, the camera can hit that. Now, that's, that's incredible, okay? I want to thank you for joining online as well. I know that, uh, that there's so many uh, interesting things that are happening, but thank God for our country. And I want to encourage you to be the answer for our country. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. They'll repent from their sin, humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways and pray. Then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. And so, folks, the answer for our country today is not what can be done out there. It's what can be done in here. And it's what's going to be done right in this guy right here. And it has to start with me. It has to start with you. And God's called us to humble ourselves repent. Repent is a lost word. People are afraid to say that word today. But listen, it's a powerful word. And when you repent, God does powerful things in your life. So he's telling us to repent from our wicked ways, from our dependence on ourself, our dependence on our economy, our dependence on materialism, our dependence on anything else outside of God. Repent from our wicked ways and pray. God says that he'll heal the land. And so I, I'm gonna, I want to continue that in our land. I want to see, you know, why has America been great? It's because of the foundation of God. You go back and you just look and you see this foundation that God laid in this country. And, uh, and you know, kingdoms come and kingdoms go. But we're here today. And our job is to not be so much worried about the, about the, the earthly kingdoms, but our heavenly kingdom. And we pray and we seek his face. And I want you to be thinking about your friends around the world right now. Every time I think of rough times in our own country, I'm reminded of my friends in Ecuador. And I just get on the phone and I call them. And man, do they encourage me. And they tell me that they're praying for America. Wow. That's like mind-blowing, isn't it? And so whenever I hear them tell me these things and, and, uh, from down in Ecuador, and, and you know, they, they went through a real terrible time with the virus. And they, the one city alone, they were, people were dying at an alarming rate, and they were just stacking them out, up on the streets. And so I just, I just want to say thank God for this land in which we live. And all, all the confusion that's happening right now, the world is confused, is it not? The world is confused, folks, but God is never confused, and God's not been absent, and you have a lifeline to God. You have a direct line. You got the red phone, man. You pick it up, and you call, and you talk to God, and he says, I know. I know. I knew all about that virus. I knew about it 20 years before. Well, actually, 2,000 years. Okay, 10,000 years before you knew about it. I knew about that virus. I know about your troubles, and he says, call on him. So let's thank God for this land in which we live. Amen? God's a great God. He's a wonderful God. 
Thanks for joining us this July 4th weekend. We're continuing our series entitled Flannel Graph Faith. And as we jump into this today, I'm so thrilled. And, you know, as I've gone back, and for me, it's just revisiting some stories. And again, I hesitate to call them stories because they're histories. Histories are things that really happened, okay? So um, I, I hesitate to call them stories, but they, they are histories. And as we look at these, these items, they're not just histories of humans. It's the history of how God interacted with us. God interacts with humans. And, th- and this is great confidence for you and I today that God is not absent. Like God is still intervening. God is still working in ways that only he will get the glory, in ways that only he, like I don't know how he's working right now. And as you read through the Bible, I want you to remember that these guys didn't know how it was going to turn out. They had no clue of the end result. Um, you, you look at some of them, some guys face some tremendous pain, some tremendous disaster for following God. Others had tremendous blessing, and God, God took them through the storm. So I want you to remind, be reminded of that today. We're in Daniel. We're going to go to Daniel chapter 6. Last week we were in Daniel chapter 3, and, and the first six chapters of Daniel is pretty interesting because in Daniel chapter 1, we see Daniel and three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are deported from their home in Israel. They're taken roughly a thousand miles away to Babylon. They go up into this new area, and they have to, uh, they have to be schooled in the Babylonian language, in the Chaldean language. So they go to the University of Babylon, if you will. They end up going through schooling. They, the Scripture says that they studied literature, the literature of the Babylonians. So, so we see a situation here where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... And Daniel, they come into this new land. It's a foreign land. Uh, and remember, as they were departed, uh, deported, this was not what they were looking for. This was a very tragic situation. But while they were there, they ended up following God as much as they could. And so they, uh, they, they kept following God. But there were other things over here. Like, remember, Jewish children, a Jewish person would never go to Babylonian school. Like that, that, that wasn't their thing. But as they went into this, they had to go through the schooling. And so they went through the Babylonian schooling. They learned the cultures. They probably learned how to dress like the Babylonians. They, they, everything was changed in their whole life. But what didn't change was a few things. Number one, Daniel chapter one says that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, please, um, we have our, our food rules. And, and we're going to eat the kosher foods. So they stuck to eating the kosher foods, and, uh, and, they, and they worked around it. They, they got somebody to lean into them and help them. So they were able to honor God. That was that important to them. And then, uh, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we looked at last week. That Nebuchadnezzar says, bow down and worship my idol, worship me, or else you're going to go into the fiery furnace. And so the, they said, we'll do that. And they go into the fiery furnace. They never... They, they didn't know that they were going to survive the fiery furnace. It wasn't like God said, hey, now, you keep doing what I tell you, and, and you will have no harm. No, no. They said, we're going to call on the Lord God, but if he doesn't, if he doesn't. So we looked at that whole last week. We're going to follow God. We're going to do this over here. There's consequences. There's risk. But if God doesn't intervene, if God doesn't save us, we're still not going to follow your gods because we believe our God is still real. So today we're going to pick up in Daniel chapter 6. And what happens in Daniel chapter 6 is this, uh, this it's a new kingdom now. About 65 years have passed, and uh, from 605 B.C. was the deportation of the, uh, when the Babylonians 
took over Israel and deported them uh, a thousand miles away. So you have that 605 B.C. In Daniel 6, we see the Medes and the Persians and this King Darius. That's right around 539 B.C. So you're roughly 65, 70 years right in that range that, uh, that Daniel has kept serving God. And, you know, for me, as I've opened my Bible and, you know, you're just reading along, you read Daniel 1, 2, 3, by the time you get to Daniel 6, I'm like, well, that was a few pages. This is really interesting. I mean, he interprets dreams for uh, not only Nebuchadnezzar but for another king. And, and so he has all these, all, all these uh, serving. He serves different kings. And now it's, uh, this King Darius is up. And, uh, and, and as he serves the, the King Darius, and remember, we're talking flannel graph faith, so I've got the pictures up here to keep your attention. No, I got the pictures because that's what flannel graph was. When we were young, they put the flannel graph on the board over here, right? And I did that for a few weeks, so now I've got the digital flannel graph. But today, we're, I want to take you beyond the flannel graph. I want to take you beyond the pictures. I want to take you beyond the story, and I want to see what God might do in your life today. Because as I've been chewing this up, listen, I've been, I've been like... I've been just chewing it and marinating on it all week long, right? I've just been eating this thing all week. I'm like, this is powerful. This can change your life once you get a hold of it. And I want you to be changed by it too. I don't want it to be just some story you heard when you were a kid by a well-meaning teacher. Because I'm thankful for those well-meaning teachers. I learned those stories that way. And, and they, they, they're in my heart. And now today as I revisit them, I'm like amazed. But I realize for some people, they've never even heard the history of it. They've never even, never even understood this. So King Darius is a, is a king, and he lives through, through various kings. Uh, uh, Daniel lives through various kingdoms, and now King Darius is up. And it's Daniel 6.1. Darius, go back. Rewind, there you go. This button sticks every now and then, sorry. Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom. These were uh, officials. When you see that word satraps, I'm not even pronouncing it right, I'm sure. Satraps, satraps, whatever, okay? Whenever you see that word, think officials. These are like uh, mayors and, and senators, all that stuff, right? These were people who would make decisions and rule over the people. He stationed them throughout the realm. Verse, now the next one there. See that button marked, all right? And over them, three administrators, including Daniel. These satraps would be accountable to them so that the king would not be defrauded. So what happened was the empire was, was big. And as you saw the Medo-Persian uh, map there, it, it included all the way down to Israel, pretty much the whole Middle East. It was an empire, a world empire. And so what he does is he takes them and he, he, he has all these rulers and he has 120 of them. And 120 rulers have to answer back to him now. And so as he answers, as they start to answer back, he says, I'm going to narrow this down. I don't want 120 reports. I want three reports. So he sets up three of these guys and Daniel's one of them. Now remember, Daniel has been serving. It's 65 years removed since you saw Daniel at the beginning of the book of Daniel. Daniel's got to be 85. He's probably got to be 85, close to 90 years old. He's an elder man now. And, and over, the, over the, the three administrators, including Daniel, these satraps would have to be accountable so that the king would not be defrauded. So think about this. Here comes Daniel. And, and, and Daniel is, uh, is just trying to serve. But uh, out of the three men here, Daniel's one of them, and the scriptures tell us that Daniel rises to the challenge. Daniel rises to the occasion, like he, he has something that God wants him to do here. He's just been serving God. 
He's been faithful. I mean, he, he's been used by, by God to interpret some dreams and some visions. He, um, he, he's, he's done incredible things that uh, were just daily living life for him. He went in and he was faithful every day. Faithful on, on the good days, faithful on the bad days. And, and I, for some reason, this time period between those chapters is jumping out to me. Like he didn't stop serving God. He was held captive in a foreign land for 65, 70 years, and he didn't stop serving God. He didn't stop, stop his faith. He didn't give up, and, and he kept serving. He, he served civilly. He did whatever he could do to be a, a God-fearing person, and he was well-respected. Look at this. Daniel 6, 3 says that Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and the satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit. The king planned to set him over the whole realm. He had an extraordinary spirit. Folks, I think that this is like what I want, want in my life. I, I think this is what God's calling for us today as believers. As law-abiding citizens in the United States of America, God's calling you to be an extraordinary spirit. Notice I didn't say extraordinary person. An extraordinary spirit is that, here's what it is. He goes to work every day. He goes in early and he stays late. That's the hardworking guy. He is well-respected. He's a man of integrity. He's honest. He has character. See, that's the extraordinary spirit that he had. Um, Daniel wasn't, didn't rise to this because he was somebody special, because he was a performer. I would say that Daniel didn't perform. Daniel just lived his life day in and day out, and he lived to the best of his ability to love God and honor God in the midst of all the problems that he was facing. So now he rises up, and what happens? But the, the two other guys, so there was three of them, the two other, the two other uh, head governors, if you will, we're now going to have to answer to Daniel. Daniel has become the number two man in charge. There's the king, and then there's Daniel. I mean, this isn't just the king of Israel, folks. This is the king of an empire. There's Darius, and then there's Daniel. And the two other guys, what happens? Check us out. They get jealous. Folks, jealousy will destroy your life. Did you hear that? Jealousy will destroy your life. If you are uh, ever looking at somebody else and you, are, and you say, man, I got to have that, I want that, jealousy will destroy your life. And I'm going to show you here this morning how it destroyed their life. Many people think, oh, well, it's just, just jealousy. Listen, look at somebody else's job and covet that job. You, it'll destroy your life. Uh, look at somebody else's family and say, I wish I had that family. It'll destroy your life. Jealousy will get you nowhere. You've heard that statement before. Let me tell you, jealousy will take you somewhere. It'll destroy your life. It, it, it leads to emptiness. It leads to destruction. And so these men here, they were jealous. And the, the administrator, it says here that the administrator here and the satraps, therefore, kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom. And so they said, we've we got to find some way. We've got to get rid of Daniel. Did you ever have that happen at a, at a company? Like, you know, why'd that guy get the promotion? Well, we're going to have to make him look bad so we can get the promotion. He didn't deserve it. Who's he think he is? Where did he come from? Da-da-da-da. And we go through all this. I, I work harder than he did. Well, maybe you did. You might have worked harder than he did. And that's okay that you worked harder than he did. But, but maybe, God, maybe there's a sovereign God that didn't want you to get the promotion. 
And instead, we go down this jealousy route. The Scripture says this, to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. So somebody has something that has happened that you wish would happen to you, you rejoice with them. Like, like you don't sit here and say, woe is me. Why didn't I get that? Why not me? No, no, no. What happens is you're destroying yourself when you go there. I'm going to show you here in just a few minutes here how it destroyed these men. Continuing on, verse 4 here, okay? But they could not find or charge, they could find no charge or corruption. For he was trustworthy, no negligence, no corruption was found in him. They could not find a man of negligence. He, he, again, I, like I said, he, he would show up every day. They watched him. And so as they would watch him, they would notice that, that, he was, uh, that he was moving forward in life and he was living his life honoring to God. But they noticed that, man, this guy is honest. This guy is filled with integrity. He works hard. We can't find anything wrong with this guy. And then as they keep watching him, what they did notice was that, hey, Daniel, he does this one thing that, that we don't know what he's doing. It's, it's praying. And, and we notice he goes by his open window, and he prays three times a day. And so he goes up and he prays, and, and, and we just notice he, he keeps doing this thing. And so, so they're, they're, like, overwhelmed. And, and what happened was the spying that they were doing on him proved to be useless. It was useless to them because they couldn't find anything wrong with him except that he prayed. And so what they did was they get together and they said, well, we've got to go before the king. And as they get granted permission to go to the king, look what Daniel chapter 6, 5 says here, that these men said, we will never find any charge. Now, this is amongst themselves here, okay? They said, we will never find any charge against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. In other words, this guy is, he is true blue. This guy is a hard worker. He is dedicated. He is the real deal. He's filled with integrity. He is not slipping up. We don't know what we can do outside of talking about his God. So these men come together, and they finally get to King Darius, and they lean into King Darius, and they have this discussion with the king. And, and so as they've, they've worked together, they, they get in front of the king, and look what Daniel 6, 7 says. The administrators of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, and the governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict for 30 days. Um, we, we want you, O king, long live the king. We want you to establish this order and make it law. Anyone who petitions any god... Or man except you, O King Darius, they will be thrown into the lion's den. It was common for a monarch to have a, a pit of lions that they would keep. It was a sign of strength, a sign of power. Anyone who would petition any god or man. So in other words, King, we want you to be the only sustainer of life. We want everything to come through you, and, and there's no other way that we can have anything. They can't go to their gods, and they can't go to any other human. They can only go to you. They cannot petition for their needs to anyone else. Therefore, your majesty, your, uh, your, uh, your majesty established the edict and signed the, uh, the document so that as the law of the Medes and Persians, it is irrevocable and cannot be changed. This thing about the law of the Medes and the Persians, 
what would happen is if, they would, if the king would sign a law in, and it was, it was a known fact for the law of the Medes and the Persians, if the king signs a law into effect, it was irrevocable under this highest law. So they were saying, now listen, king, if you'll just sign this in the law, we've got 30 days, and let's just see how this goes. So what happens? They have their chat with the king. And the king goes, and he, 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 he signs it into law. Verse 9 says that he signed it into law. And now it's irrevocable. And what means by irrevocable? Not even the king himself could change the law. Like this has to stand. So now he's, he, he's got it, and, and he's got this, uh, this issue that's going to happen for the next 30 days. But listen, Daniel was not part of this. Oh, all, all the other 120 of them? Well, there's 119 because one of them wasn't involved, and that was Daniel. Daniel knew nothing of it. Daniel gets word of it. And as Daniel gets wind of this news, he has, he's put in the dilemma. Hey, did you hear? Did you hear about the edict that the king put into place? Oh, really? And he finds out about secondhand. Now, now imagine, what, what would you do if you were Daniel right there? Right there, you'd want to go in and have a word with the king. I had no part of this. You know I serve another God, blah, 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 blah. Daniel has got a real problem. He's an elder statesman now. And he's got to deal with this. So he goes into thinking. And he's thinking in the long haul. He's been betrayed. Now think about this. I have been betrayed by the people who I work with. And even by the king himself at this moment. He, he's got all this to deal with. And Daniel 6.10 says that when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house. And he goes home. And then just imagine with him going home and just thinking and just, and just mauling this over. What do I do? Those dirty rascals. I can't believe they've signed that law into place. Ooh. Wouldn't you be like that? You'd be like, we're going to get them. We're going to show them. No. You know what Daniel does? Look at this. He goes into his house, and the window in its upstairs room opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got on his knees and he prayed and he gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. He kept going. He kept going back to his special place of prayer. It was a special place, that, that window that would open and face towards Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where their, where their worship center was. Do you realize out in Babylon where he was at in the Chaldean Empire there, the Medes and Persians area where he was at now? There was no place for him to go to worship. There was no temple. He didn't have a public place that he could go and fellowship. That was his spot. He met with God, and he met there every day. The Scripture says over in Psalm 55, 17, Evening, morning, and at noon will I pray to the Lord. And so evening, morning, and at noon will I pray. So he goes back, and he goes to a special spot. I love what Andrew Murray said. He said, Oh, let the secret place of prayer... Become to me the most beloved spot on earth. Let my place of prayer, where I go to pray, let that become the most beloved spot on earth to me. Now check this out. Daniel's praying, and he's praying before this open window. And, uh, and, and, and as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, wait a minute. Who else prayed? He got on her knees and prayed. Jesus. 
We see that Jesus prayed. He was on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane right before his troubled time was coming, before they were going to betray him and go to the cross. Here's Daniel. What's he doing right before he's about to go into his den? Right before the bad news is about to hit him, right before the worst time of his life is about to happen. He's not crying. He's not, he's not uh, upset. He is going to the Lord in prayer. And he is meeting with God, and he says, I'm going to do this. Now, check this out, folks. This is why this time period is so important to me. For 65, 70 years, you find Daniel going three times a day to pray. Evening, morning, noon. Evening, morning, noon. And I would say that this was a pattern of his life. Because if he just started all of a sudden now at the time of trouble, number one, they wouldn't cared. There would be no no decree, right? They saw him. They watched this thing happen. Number two, he probably wouldn't run there. Like if you don't know how to run to God when it's good, when it's bad, many people don't run either. They run farther. So God is there, and and he, he has this pattern. So when the bad times come, and folks, if I could take you there to your secret place of prayer, and, and help you make that a part of your life. When the bad times come, you'll keep going to God. And here's, here's why you'll run away from God. If you're not walking with God when it's good, when it's bad, you're going to run. Did you catch that? If you're not walking with, good, uh, with God when things are good, when the bad times come, you're going to run. You see what Daniel did here? It was the pattern of his life. He trusted God. He had a relationship with God. And so what happened the next day? It was just another day. Except there was a threat on his life now. And he says, well, I'm going to do what I've done for the last 70 years. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to meet with God. So these, these men, the scriptures tell us that the men kept watching and they noticed. They caught him praying. I, I, I love what the scripture says. It uses this word petitioning. They found him petitioning and imploring God. Let that sink into our life. What are we called to do right now, folks? To petition and implore God. Petition and implore God. Petition and implore God. Keep going back to him. So what happened? These kings, uh, these men come before the king, and they surround the king, and they approach him. And uh, in, in verse 12, says that they approach the king, and following it says that the decree, they come before the king, and they say, hey, here's the decree. Oh, King Darius, did you not sign this into law? Yeah, I signed it into law. Well, it's law. Well, let us tell you, there's one problem. We found a guy who's not following it. We found a guy, and we caught him. He's praying three times a day. Who is it? Well, his name's Daniel. And, and they refer to him as Daniel, one of those Israelites, one of those people that were imported to us. And they even throw, if you will, a little bit of a racial tension into this And they say, oh, he's one of those people over there. And and listen, this was all part of their story here. The the, the jealousy, the ignorance, the anger. And so they throw this at the king. They said, but king, you do understand this is your law. You created the law. And therefore, you got to follow through. Look at your law, O king Darius. Daniel must die. And the scriptures tell us that how did Darius respond to this? Verse, 15, uh, verse 13 says that he was displeased and he set his mind to rescue Daniel. He was displeased and he set his mind to rescue Daniel. Now imagine this. 
Daniel and the king had to be good friends. You don't put number two in charge and not be his friend, right? Number two man in all the land, and he's, these guys are best, best buddies. And he's seen this guy. He, he trusts them. And, and so now these, these guys are coming and throwing all these negative things and saying, hey, we couldn't catch him doing anything wrong, but we did catch him here. And it, I know it's only a 30-day law, but king, your word means nothing if you don't follow through. So what's the king do? He calls up Daniel. And he has to follow through. And the scriptures tell us that he is, he's discouraged. The, the, the king is, is overwhelmed with this. And so he gets him ready to go into the lion's den. And you, you can just imagine uh, the tension that this Darius is in. He's got to follow through with this. He doesn't want to follow through with it. But yet this man Daniel has served him and he's never caused a problem. Ever. There's never been a problem with Daniel. You never saw a, a problem around Daniel's name for the last 70 years. The king is really hurting for Daniel. And so at, right as he's getting ready to throw him in, and I want you to catch this, there's, there's like this exchange. And check it out here. Daniel 6.16 says this. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you continually serve, rescue you. Did you catch that? May your God, whom you continually serve, may he rescue you. This Darius was leaning into this. And so what does he do? He throws him into the, throws him into the lion's den. And I want you to catch this. And I want you to hear what was going on here. Check this out. Like, these are real lions, guys. Like, like you go into a lion's den, you're, you're not coming out of it. You don't just drop a, a human into there. Yeah, imagine that. You woke up now, finally. You're awake, too. Now, I want you to think about this. Now, look, look at this lion. Like, 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 think about this. These were real lions, guys. This isn't some allegory. There, there was real lions. And so, so if you put a man in there into the real lion's den, you're not expecting this guy to live. And Daniel had no expectation to live. Catch that with me. Daniel had zero expectation to live. He said, I will serve God no matter what. He did not know. He didn't read in Daniel chapter 6, right? What happens that, that day, that night, the king says, now we're going to put a stone over top of the den. It would have been Daniel's tomb. And we're going to put a wax ring around it. And, and, and the king would take his ring and, and, or his signet and he would put it in there with a scepter or a ring. And he'd put, put his signet in there so that they would know if anybody had disturbed it and got Daniel out in the morning. Who else did they do that to? Jesus did. Think about this. Think of the foreshadowing. Think of the, the thing like God's trying to t- give them some hints of what's coming. Jesus' tomb. They put a stone in front of Jesus' tomb. They put a wax ring in front of it with a signet. It's so powerful. The king is disturbed. He walks away from there. He's disturbed, and the scriptures tell us that, that he didn't... Uh, he didn't have anybody with him. Everybody knew to leave him alone. You know, when the king's mad, you stay out of his way. <laughs> you know, it's like when dad's mad. You ever have that at your house? You know, when dad's mad, you just let him go. That's how it was when we were kids. If dad was mad, you just let him go. We didn't care if he was mad. We just didn't want to be around him. You know, just stay out of the way. If dad's mad, you don't ask him nothing. 
you know, especially for money at that moment, right? So, 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 so here, the king's mad. The king's disturbed. He's distraught. He, he, is, he has just made the hardest decision of his life. He has to follow through. It's all about his word and law and all this stuff, but yet he knows this man is a good man, and this man did nothing wrong. He, scriptures tell us he stays up all night. I mean, he is, he's destroyed all night long. He doesn't eat. He has no diversions, nothing. They leave him alone, and he, he has a sleepless night. Maybe you've had a few of those sleepless nights lately, huh? You know what he's going through. The king had that horrible, horrible day. The next day, the scripture says in verse 19, tells us that he got up, and, uh, and he hurries down to the tomb. So he's, 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 he's disheveled, he's, he's hurting, and he's just destroyed that his friend Daniel is dead. He goes to the tomb, he tells him to remove the, uh, the, remove the stone, and he wants to check on Daniel, and, and so you can just imagine the anguish in this man's heart and in his face, and when he reached the den, he cried out, okay, and then the next scripture here says, when he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you continually served, been able to rescue you from the lions. Has your God, whom you continually serve, check it out, what he, he notices. And so the, the king, remember Daniel had no clue that he would be alive the next day. Daniel had no, Daniel's thing, I, this is it. I just got to follow through, whatever. I'm a 90-year-old man. They're going to throw me down into the lion's den. There's not much hope for me. The king reaches there and he cries out, Has your God, whom you continually serve, has he been able to rescue you from the lions? And much to the king's surprise, there's Daniel. And Daniel's standing there and Daniel talks up to the king. And Daniel says, Oh, king, live forever. Long live the king. My God sent his angels, okay? My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. And they haven't harmed me, for I was found innocent before him. And, always, and, and also before you, your majesty, I have not done harm. He says, before God and before man, I've been innocent. I have been innocent before you, O king, and I've been innocent before God. And so, so as you think about this, here he is down in this, in this, in, in this, in this horrible place. Um, he should have been dead. God protects him. And I love what he says. He says, my God sent his angel. My God sent his angel. And so the, the scriptures tell us that the king was overjoyed. Daniel didn't stand down there and look at his abilities at that point, did he? He didn't say, well, you know, I, am, uh, I have a degree in zoology. And Babylonian and Chaldean and Medo-Persian zoology. No. I, listen, he was expecting to die. He says, my God shut the mouth of the lions. So the king is overjoyed. Look at this, verse 23. The king, Darius, was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was brought up from the den, he was found to be unharmed. For he trusted in his God. Look at that. He trusted in his God. Folks, this is the key application for us. Trusting in our God. Doesn't mean that you will go out and not have a scratch after your lion's den. But it means that God will be with you. And you see, Daniel went in not 
trusting that he wouldn't be hurt from the lion's den. He was trusting that God would be with him. And that's the big game changer, folks. We, as we go through life, we have lion's dens that we got to deal with. There's all kind of pressures, all kind of nastiness from this world. And, uh, and as we deal with it, we've got to understand that, uh, that God didn't promise there would be no pain. He didn't promise that there would be no problems. But he promised his presence will always be with us. Scriptures tell us that the king was mad. The king was jo- overjoyed for, for, uh, for Daniel. But now he looks at all these other men and all these people that were overthrowing, you know, trying to get rid of Daniel. And look what happens here in Daniel 6, 24. It says, the king then gave the command, and those who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought, and they were thrown into the lion's den themselves. And I, again, this is one of those things, how did I miss this? Like, I always knew Daniel got out of the lion's den, But maybe the little old lady who taught me when I was in third grade forgot to tell me the next part because I'm, like, going nuts on this. Check this out. Max, I know you'll love this. You ready? They had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. God just flexed his muscles. Remember I said at the beginning, jealousy will destroy you? All those people that that were jealous, they were destroyed. They were destroyed. This is, this is so powerful, folks. Like, like that, I'm, I'm, I'm just like amazed. I'm saying, wait a minute, God, you, not only did you protect Daniel, but you said you'd take care of the enemy, and I don't have to worry about the enemy. Not once do I read anything in Daniel where he's worried about the enemy. The Bible says in Psalms about the, about the people who are, who are the enemies of God. They are like the grass that will be cut down. And they will turn brown. They will soon wither and be blown away. Okay? You know, like you cut the grass and you just leave it there. I always tell my neighbors I'm helping seed their lawn. Okay? You, li- you cut it, leave it there, it blows away. God says that's what evildoers will be like. Man, that green grass is cut down. It turns and it blows away. Daniel lived that. He didn't worry about his perpetrators. Folks, don't worry about your perpetrators. There's plenty of them. You get done with these perpetrators, you're going to have new ones tomorrow. There's always somebody that will be jealous of you, that will find a problem with you in, 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 in while you're trying to serve God. They had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered and crushed them all. And then the king comes, and the king says, all right, I'm going to make a decree. And, and, and the decree went out. He, he signs this decree that, uh, that the God of Israel, that, that the God of Daniel, okay, the God of Daniel would be uh, signed in that he is the God and that everybody should fear him for he has done great things. And so if it ends there, man, that's pretty cool. But I'll tell you what, I think there's more to the story. I want you to catch the faithfulness. Like the book of Daniel has so many prophecies. We could spend a couple weeks having fun with prophecies. I love studying the dreams and the visions and all that. But I'll tell you what, I see a bigger message in there than even the prophecy. I see this man, Daniel, was faithful for a lifetime. Faithfulness can last a lifetime. Now, check that out. In your life, faithfulness, you can be faithful for a lifetime. I've seen many Christian sprinters. They're all over the place. They go, and then they're done. They go, and then they're done. And they they get on the next hot topic. They get on the next trend and all the next fashions and and this and that. The trends of church and Man, a day, all that stuff comes and goes. 
I admire Pastor John, who was a pastor here for 47 years. 47 years. You know what Pastor John saw come and go? Just about everything. In 47 years, nothing's the same in 47 years. Like, he's not the same in 47 years. Everything changed. And you know what I saw? I saw Pastor John always went to his prayer tower three times a day. Literally, he set his alarm on his phone to pray three times a day to remind him to pray. And I, I admire that. I'm saying, man, you know what, 70 years from now, of course, I'll be 121, but, you know, 70 years from now, I want to be a Daniel. I, I, want, I want the rest of my life, I want whenever I'm done here, you say, Pastor Ken, he was crazy, but he was faithful. He was nuts. He didn't know what to do half the time, but he was faithful. He showed up. Pastor John used to say this all the time. 90% of success is just showing up. 90% is showing up. Do you realize how many people don't show up to work on time anymore? They don't show up. They don't stay late. 90% of success is going to work. Like, you want to get a promotion at your job? Go to work. Most of your bosses, you know, I've talked to several employers, and they say, I can't find people who know, uh, who can understand that when I pay them, they got to show up. They come in an hour late. They come in here. They, they tell me this. They got this. They got that. And listen, God says, just be faithful. Just be faithful. Faithfulness can last a lifetime. That's all Daniel was. He was faithful. He was faithful to God. He, he, his faithfulness outlasted generations and outlasted kings and outlasted kingdoms on earth. Daniel 6:10 when they learned that the document had uh, when Daniel learned that the document had been signed he went into his house and what does he do he goes in and he prays he keeps praying just as, as he had always done he goes in and uh, and so that's what God's called us to do is to go to be faithful may I say this today is that your faithfulness will speak louder than your words your faithfulness will speak louder than your words. There we go. Faithfulness speaks louder than words. Throughout the years, I, I ran some pretty nice-sized youth groups. Lots and lots of teenagers, right? Do you know, if I go back and I talk to those teenagers that were in my youth groups for years, they don't remember hardly any of those lessons. Like, I gave lessons every week, right? They don't remember them. There's one that they do remember. And, and you can ask me later. I'll tell you about that, okay? <laughs> it was like, you know, back in the day, he said something, and they'll never forget it, right? So they, they'll never forget it. Just call Josh Watts. He'll tell you exactly what it is. Text him today. Say, hey, Josh, those of you that have him on your phone, text him. Josh, what is the one sermon you remember Pastor Ken gave in the youth group? And he will tell you the tagline, and you'll laugh your, your face off, all right? So uh, faithfulness speaks louder than words. They don't remember that. You know what they remember? They remember that I was there. They remember that I had pizza for them. You come over to my house? I never told anybody to bring a dollar. I said, come on over. We're having pizza. The church had no money to buy pizza in those days. I said, we're having pizza. Why? Because I love the kids. And, and listen, they come over and they, they have memories. Uh, to this day, I, I remember having, Jesse, you were in that youth group back in that day. You remember coming over, 25 kids crammed into our living room to pray. It wasn't anything fancy. We didn't have a chair for everybody. We were, they were, maybe that's what they liked. They were laying on top of each other. I don't know. But listen, it was an incredible time, you know? And it was just like we were together and we created memories. Why? Because we were faithful. 
And next Sunday, I was there again, and my wife, I said, honey, I'm bringing home 25 teenagers. And she said, you're doing what? I said, yeah, I'm bringing home 25 kids. She goes, okay. Literally, that's how it sounded. (laughs) Maybe it sounded more like that lion roar. I don't know what it sounded like. But listen, everyone will notice when you're faithful. When you are faithful, listen, just, just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. I want to encourage you, folks, this is a, a weird season of, of life right now. Uh, ministry's up and down. and our, you know, Listen, I want to encourage you, just be faithful. Just be faithful. Go, go to your prayer closet every day. Go and pray by that. Make, keep that special spot. Uh, everyone will notice. Look, even the enemy will notice. And I would say particularly your enemies will notice. Daniel 6, 4 says that the administrator uh, and satraps, therefore, kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom, but they could find nothing. They could find no charge, no corruption. He was trustworthy. They couldn't find anything wrong with him. Look at Daniel 6, 5. Then the men said that we will never find any charge against him unless we find something concerning his God. Look what the king said as he as he's about to throw him in, may your God, whom you continually serve. Folks, right here, this is what I want my life to say at the end of it. When I get to a gravestone, somebody buy one and put this on there for me. (laughs) He continually served God. Like, that's all I want to do. I don't want to be great. That's God's problem. I don't want to have a mega church. You know what I want to do? I want to serve God. Mega church would be more about me than it would be about God, wouldn't it? I, I just want to show up every day. I want to I say, God, you called me, and I was faithful in old little town of Finleyville. I stood up every day, and this is what you called me to do, and I met with you every day. He continually served God. When we are faithful, you will change lives. When you are faithful, you will change lives. Look at the decree that the king gave. He says, I issue a decree. In all my royal dominion, people must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. Now, Daniel's life had been changed, but now the entire empire is going to be changed. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will never be, will never be destroyed. Doesn't that sound like some of the verses that we read at Christmas time? His dominion has no end. Continue. He, reser- he rescues and delivers. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. For he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. When you are faithful, God will change somebody else's life. And may I say this, that faithfulness, the wrestling match for faithfulness is in your heart. The faithfulness, the, the wrestling match for faithfulness is in your heart. A husband and wife who wants to be faithful to each other, guess what? There will always be outside pressures. And I always say that the, that the wrestling match for that faithfulness was not the outside, something that you saw. It was in your heart. That's where faithfulness takes place. The wrestling match between you and God is going to take place in your heart. Daniel 1.8, Daniel said this. He says, I have purposed in my heart. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. And he says, listen, I have purposed in my heart. This is me and God. And folks, if you're struggling with faithfulness, unfaithfulness is a heart issue. Unfaithfulness is a heart issue. And how do we solve that? Give your heart to Jesus. Give it to him hour by hour. And say, God, I need you. 
I can't do this. I need you. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, let's just respond to the living God. He has all power. And he's called us just to be faithful. He didn't promise you that you'll be set free from uh, any of the hard problems of life. He did promise eternal life. He promised that he'd be with you. And I want to invite you today to a life of faithfulness. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness. To become full of faith. To become steady. To be like the people in your life that you know. To be like that married couple that celebrating 60 years of, a, of an anniversary this year. To be like the, the, the man in ministry who's gone for 50 years and faithfully served be like the Pastor Johns who not only served here but continue to serve even though he's not a, a, a full-time vocational pastor. He still has his alarm clock going off. He's meeting with God. God's called you to meet with him. Make that your most secret moments. Father God, I pray you'll be with each one of us as we all struggle, Lord, with our heart condition. And that heart condition wants to raise up and wants to be centered around self so often. But God, we ask now today, Lord, that you will help us as we give our heart to you and that you will produce faithfulness in our life. Thank you for the powerful story of Daniel. Thank you for rescuing him from the lion's den. Thank you that 2,500 years later, we're still talking about him. And what we're, not, what we're actually talking about is your power. We thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today here in the building and online. Have a great rest of the 4th of July weekend. God bless. Have a hot dog for me. In the deep of the valley, your presence surrounds me. The crickets sing and trees ring. And I want to let you know that you're speaking. Steady flow and it flows free and in control. Your hand leaves its evidence all on this earth. As I lay here and ponder on all creation, you made it all.